0: What's up, everyone? This is episode number 31 of the Wax Museum Podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And I want to start by thanking those of you who listened last week and weighed in on social media. Just a reminder my Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast, my Twitter is at Wax Museum PC and uh, there was definitely some spirited discussion when it came to the no slab movement that I talked about last week Um, so once again thank you guys for that Um, I do want to acknowledge that I made a goof in one of my posts and it wasn't on the podcast itself but it was on a social media post I misinterpreted someone's enthusiasm and the way that they present some of their collection as a form of price manipulation and I was actually alluding to several people but it was irresponsible nonetheless I apologize privately to said people, but I also want to acknowledge it publicly since the claim was made public. Um, So once again, that was my mistake and I need to be more cautious in the future. Uh, I will say though, and this is not directed to anyone in particular, um, but I will say that I'm not going to stop talking about patterns of behavior that I see that concern me in the hobby. And someone made a comment on my Instagram, something to the effect of that I need to be more positive. Well, the comment that I referred to earlier was negative. Uh, However, in terms of the essence of what I've been talking about lately, look, um, a lot of industries similar to ours have safeguards to protect against all different types of price manipulation. Well, we really don't have that in sports cards, and I don't want to try and be any sort of hobby police officer, but I do want to try and teach people how to recognize some of the patterns. Um, of unethical behavior or questionable behavior that we've seen in the past and that I think is bound to be duplicated by other people in the future. So I have all intentions of being critical when I feel it's constructive and that's the key. Uh, There is a proper approach to criticism and I plan to be extra careful in adhering to it. Uh, All right, so with that being said, I'm really excited about what I've got for you guys today. Um, I want to try something that I've never tried on here before. It might require some tweaking in the future, but um, I want to get some of you guys involved and I want to give you more of a chance for your voice to be heard. You know, There's always social media, but sometimes it's nice to hear your actual voices. So I'm calling this my listener forum. And what I've done this week is that I've selected four people and I tried to get people from different backgrounds and, and people that have been collecting or selling for different amounts of time. I don't know all of them personally. So I, I thought it might be kind of fun to mix it up that way as well. Um, before I go any further though, I want to give them all a chance to introduce themselves. So here they are.
1: Hello, my name is David Johnson or David Johnson whatever, as you may see on Facebook, I've been collecting for, well, on and off for about 30 years now. Um, but maybe more like a total of
2: 15 or 20. Hey guys, I'm Steve from Boston, Mass, USA. Um, Some of you might know me as S. Howley2003 on some of the social media and forums. Uh, And I've been back in the hobby since 2012. Um, Like many of you guys out there, I'm in my mid and late 30s and and got back to it um, as an adult.
3: How's it going, everyone? It's MJ3Cards here, Max. A little bit about me is I'm a junior in college right now, and born and raised, 317. I've been collecting for about seven years. In the last three or so, I've been more in the mid to high-end range. All three sports, football, basketball, baseball, and that's really my collection's a little bit all over the place, but uh, I really like where it's at now.
4: Hey, I'm Jake Roy. You might know me better as 90s B ball cards on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and yes, even on Facebook as well. Um, so I've been collecting since 1995 or thereabouts.
0: All right, so those were our introductions. And basically, what I've done this week is I sent these guys all a list of five questions so they could weigh in separately. Um, So, you know, some of them might have similar responses. That's fine. They, you know, they weren't in the same room at the same time So they're all current collectors. So my first question was what actually keeps you collecting? Um, Just a note here each time I ask a question I'm going to play the responses in the same order that they introduce themselves in so we'll start off with David first
1: What keeps me collecting? I would say what keeps me collecting is the search for elusive cards and the friendships with other card collectors that you get to meet throughout your journey in collecting.
2: My fandom of the NBA and um, ability to kind of remain connected to the game is really what keeps me in the hobby and keeps me going with it. Um, I've just been a fan of the NBA and basketball. I have, you know, family connections that. Good childhood memories go into it. And I feel that through the hobby, I can really stay um, constantly engaged with it, learning about current, past players, the history. Um, you know, I recently picked up a couple of 1948 Bowmans of like the original Celtics that got signed back when the NBA was developed in 46. So there's just a lot that goes to it um, that keeps me engaged. And also adds another layer of connection to the game, following players, um, other teams. Some of you guys know I'm a huge Jay Crowder collector. I'm going to be following the Memphis Grizzlies this year. And outside of maybe like 20 people in Memphis, I'm not sure who will be saying that. So it's just it's another way to stay engaged with the game that I, I really enjoy about the hobby. Um, and then there's the connection to the hobby itself, the people, the events, the opportunities. I'm someone that always needs to be busy. So to be able to you know, have that hobby, have something to do, um, remain focused on, um, you know, just really something I enjoy and, and look forward to. And it's just that, that stress relief for me.
3: What keeps me collecting? Um, I'd say it's, uh, two main reasons. Uh, number one is just the people I've met along the way uh, guys like Machado Collector, Powers PC, uh, 27, Brian, uh, Football Guy USC, Brett, and, uh, but really knowledgeable in the hobby, that have great collections that I've learned a lot from, and uh, I just love talking sports with the guys and uh, just seeing our, just seeing our different collect somewhat similar collections. I think that's really cool. Just meeting more and more people that are just awesome people in the hobby, and I love it. Love talking sports. And uh, thing is, just uh, being able to collect players that you like. I, I just love that aspect of uh, you know you watch a game and. You see, uh, Damian Lillard hit a game winner over Paul George. You see his cards go up twenty, thirty, fifty dollars. I think that's a, a, awesome to me, and uh, I think uh, it's awesome to have a crowd of, and it's it's like your own little treasure. That fascinates me. I've always been a collector of things. Sports cards is just really something that I truly love. It's just an awesome hobby.
4: Boy, that's a good question. What keeps me collecting? I guess I would have to say uh, a little bit of my competitive nature, (laughs) trying to kind of compete with myself to try to attain my collecting goals or the goals for my personal collection. Uh, I think also the community definitely keeps me engaged and involved. I know that it's really fun to share people with people that have a similar passion and a similar interest. So being able to share that with not just the couple of people near me, uh, that I know or have grown up with, but also the people who are online, hundreds and thousands of people online, that's always fun to see what they get, to kind of sharing some camaraderie, get excited when they meet their goals, and uh, also share the excitement when I meet my own goals. I think that's that probably what keeps me going. Uh, also creating content, thats that's fun for me to share some of my experiences and help other collectors through that.
0: All right, so I want to interject here and point out that I think one of the things that I like about this the most is really the result of the questions that some of you guys submitted. The kind of questions where there are no wrong answers. And we're already, even at question one, we're already seeing an interesting dynamic play out with this group that I think is representative of a lot of the people in the hobby as a whole. where We're similar enough in the hobby for it to draw us all together. But we're also unique enough that it keeps us around, if that makes sense. Uh, And I'm sure we're going to see some more of that in question number two. So that's where I segue here. And I ask our listeners, what is your favorite basketball card in your PC and why? Why?
1: I'd have to say my favorite card is my 2013 Upper Deck all-time greats Team for the Ages Reggie Miller autograph. The reason why it's my favorite is it's numbered seven out of 12, um, which is my birthday, uh, July 12th. And um, it's my favorite card, so much so that I've instructed my wife to never sell it should I happen to perish and to bury it with me. Uh, so that nobody else can ever have it, because it's mine, and none of you can ever have this card. Go get your own. There's 11 others.
2: Uh, my favorite card. That's a tough one. Kyle got me with this question. Uh, there's so many ways I could answer it. My favorite one that I have, like, my most personal connection with, my um, most memories with, uh, this is a tough one, but I'm, I'm going to cheat a bit. I'm going to put two layers to it. I'm going to go two cards, one vintage and one modern. For, for my favorite vintage card... Um, I'm going my first edition copy of the 1909 um Urad Cigarettes T-51 Williams College card. Uh, the, many of you probably know about it. It's up for debate, but I do agree with the analysis that this is the original basketball card. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, pre-war, prewarcards.com is a great resource and does have a nice overview of the various cards that are debated. as sort of the OG of basketball cards. This one is depicts players it's it is a drawing it's it's not actual photograph um, but it is cardboard it has some size requirements They look at there's some other stuff that was produced before that were you know felt cards stuff like that but I do believe in the analysis this is the OG so this card um, to me is is the start of our hobby but it also goes beyond just basketball Um, so much of our hobby was just began with the cigarette cards and, and the history of that and the history that it means for our pop culture and our our sports culture so just a a very cool piece to have um not tough to get tough to get in the first edition copy so if you're interested uh, there are two editions and they are printed first edition second edition so it's the first edition that really has the most meaning to me for modern cards my favorites um and it's kind of cliche some people out there will probably say similar or something about prism gold but for me it's my 2012 13 prism gold paul pierce um not something I pulled unfortunately um I did pay for it but but Pierce was like the Celtic of my lifetime to this point he was he was drafted the summer I graduated from high school and I just followed his career very closely well before I got back in the hobby and he's always been been my guy on my team um a lot of respect for him I know it's a love hate for him in this hobby and this and this um and within the NBA fandom but he's really my guy um I remember arguing with co-workers about people who wanted to trade him for Michael Redd back in the day. but um, And there are a lot of amazing Pierce cards out there produced over the years. But I personally put per- more personal value on cards that were produced during years that I have been actively collecting. Uh, when I first got back in the hobby, I, I really fell in love with the new Prism release um, and aggressively chased the base set. So to have like the top card of my guy from my favorite product from the year that I got back in the hobby is just really something I cherish. And and a card that's gonna stay with me for a long long time
3: what's my favorite basketball card in my pc and why uh i really stick to one card on this one i will stick it to two and it's just cards that i think are are just awesome uh, the first one is lebron james sp tick i think it's 2004 second year autograph on card auto with a game use jersey from his rookie year and um it's an awesome card it's a uh, you know, with LeBron, they don't, Upper Deck doesn't make the cards anymore because they lost the licensing, and LeBron cards are just so hard to find of the autos, especially the earlier stuff. I know it's not a rookie, but the second year is as best as I can get now, for now. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, young LeBron, and uh, uh, it's just truly special to me. It's a it's an awesome card. Probably not going to leave my collection unless I get a, a better one. But uh love that card for sure. He's one of my PC's. Paul George immaculate NBA logo man. One of three game used. And uh, a few reasons why I like it. Number one is uh, I'm from the Indies, So the Pacers are my favorite team really got to see Paul George grow up and, you know, be the, become the superstar that he is today. People don't, people don't realize this, but the guy averaged like four or six points. And then you just see the progression from like six to 11 to 20 to 28 to being the best two way player in the game, arguably. And it's, it's awesome. And, um, his last year in the uh, Pacers uniform, number thirteen, and uh, you know I'll I'll always appreciate what he did for the city. And if that's the only logo man I'll ever have in my collection, you know I'll be with that. Probably never gonna leave my collection.
4: What's my favorite card in my PC? Another great question. You know it's really tough to just pick one. It's like uh, you know trying to pick your favorite child, right? Um, you know, so there's so many that I love, and for so many reasons. If I had to pick. Just one taking all the nostalgia and stories out of it, taking any sort of value or anything like that. I would have to say it's my 1997 98 Fleer Ultra Star Power Supreme of Penny Hardway. It has to be a penny card for me, uh, that's that's my favorite guy. But that card just aesthetically hits everything, you know, really in my checklist. I love die cuts, it's got a little bit of a die cut, I absolutely adore acetate cards and it's got a nice acetate uh, with the nice color picture. It's also got some those atomic designs in there that have some reflective properties to it that shine through a little bit of hollow foil on it. Not too much. It's not overdone. And then I also love how there's a picture that on the normal cards would be on the back that you can see through the front as well. So that's definitely the card for me that when I got that in hand, I just, I fell in love with it from, from day one.
0: I'll have to admit here, there were a few responses in there that I didn't expect. We had new cards, old cards, uh, cards going to the grave. I love it. Uh, I love it. So, all right, let's move on to question number three for our listeners here. Uh, What's your strategy for determining what cards you keep and what cards you get rid of?
1: I usually just buy to keep anymore and to collect. I usually don't buy to resell. Um, If I do sell something, I've usually had it for longer than a year or two, but anymore, I really just buy to keep. Sometimes if I get doubles, I'll sell, but it's rare. That happens.
2: Another loaded question. Um, My strategy um, for determining cards I keep or or even staying focused in the hobby has flipped and flopped over the years. Uh, In retrospect, I think that for many years I, I had no strategy. I was... I was a Celtics collector and a set collector, and I liked vintage cards. And so I was sort of all over the place chasing sets, uh, grabbing Celtics stuff that caught my eye. I wanted every Pierce card I could get. At one point, I had almost every rookie card of his, even the rare stuff. Uh, but my current strategy is I, I focus on one to three sets per year that I want to put together. Um, it's been optic and revolutionary over the last few years. This year, Zion Mania might be pushing me to hoops that I put together through retail. I'm not sure how that's going to work. As I said, I'm also a huge Jay um collector, but that's a whole nother story. Um, really my sort of focus right now and how I'm deciding things. I'm consolidating my PC into to categories. Uh, so for instance, I've transitioned all my Pierce PC into only refractors and prisms, and I've just moved. If it's not a refractor prism, I've pretty much moved it with the exception of a few rare autos. Um, my current I always collect a current Celtic right now it's Jalen Brown has been since his rookie year, and I've collected everything I could get my hands on, and now I'm starting to consolidate that to to Jersey number stuff. so Jersey number Jalen Brown is how I'm going to focus my collection for you know as long as he's on the Celtics. So I still don't have a great strategy for determining what comes and goes um it's because my personal preferences continue to develop over time, and, and that's really what I love about the hobby it's it's not stagnant, it's a moving target for me. So for me, it's all about setting goals and staying with them. For example, I want a copy of every Paul Pierce gold refractor or prism. So that means I refrain from grabbing maybe a nice upper deck insert or maybe I move a 99, 2000 you know, insert to get some cash and that keeps me you know flexible to grab some funds if a refractor I don't have pops up. So that's really how, I'm, how I manage things is by setting, setting categories and remaining within those boxes. What's my
3: strategy for determining what, what cards I get rid of? It, this is a tough for me because I'm not a I'm not a big seller at heart. I'm more of a collector, and I, while I do sell some things, I usually collect a lot and uh, sell what I have to. And um, you know, I collect everything just because I like. Uh, I feel like some Kentucky sports cards. He has like a room of just filled with awesome cards and walls filled with cards, and that's what I want someday. I just want to display everything so anyone can get my collection. You know, I can look at them, just something I can be really proud of. But uh, I have been starting to sell a little bit more. But and what I sell is uh, players who I right now cards that I think are undervalued, and I buy a lot of dupes of those players. So they're really popular right now. But like the Acuna updates, the Trey Young prisms, the Fox cards like that, Jason Tatum rookie prisms cards. That I think I can get in lots of and get good value, and then in the in the season, you know, I get 5, 10, 20 bucks for each card and get a nice little profit, and those are the cards I've been selling, you know, I will sell some of my bigger cards if I need a bigger, need a bigger card, but I rarely
4: do that, I rarely sell for the most part. This is an interesting question, so what's my strategy in determining what I keep and what I get rid of, that's assuming that I have a strategy. <laughs> Um, But I do have a little bit of strategy. So I'm a bit of a completionist. When I started collecting, when I was a kid, my goal was to collect every single Penny Hardaway card that was ever produced of him in an NBA uniform. Uh, Now, over the years, I've realized that that goal may not be as attainable as I thought when I was a kid. You know, So I've kind of honed it into really when he played for the Magic, just his playing years and, and such. And I want to have at least one of... Most of the cards, excluding some of the ridiculously rare um, and such, so I keep anything that fits within that. And sometimes I branch outside of that, but then obviously, you know, as as we all do, <laughs> you can't just keep to one thing. You know, so there's other players that I collect. Uh, so you know, I've got Penny Hardaway, I've got Allen Iverson that I love as well, uh, Kevin Garnett, Lamar Odom, Baron Davis, Michael Finley. You know, the list could keep going on. But then outside of that. I love getting any sort of rare, not really rare, but relatively rare insert cards of players that played on those great magic teams of the 90s with Penny. So Nick Anderson, Dennis Scott, Shaq, and Horace Grant, those guys, I love getting some of their fun inserts that I don't see all the time. And then outside of that, I want to get one example, quote unquote, of each insert set from the 90s. So Penny wasn't in every insert set. But I want to get a card from each insert set that was in the '90s uh, to be able to kind of almost have like that catalog or that museum for my own use to be able to see all the different iterations of the technology that was used and all the all the fun stuff that I love about the '90s. So those are my goals in my PC. Obviously, I stray outside of that. So sometimes I move cards because um, you know I've, I've, I don't need it for those goals in the PC. And it's it got some value that I can turn into another card that would fill those goals in my PC. So that's kind of, um, you know, what I like to do when I can move something to to fill a goal in my PC. And then, um, you know, sometimes I just have too much. <laughs> I always feel like I have too much stuff. But uh, if I if I have too much quantity of it accumulating, you know, maybe I'll sell off a bunch of pennies that I, I have, you know, five copies of one and I only really need one. Uh, so I'll sell off the others. So those are kind of some of the ways that I, I pick and choose to weed some out.
0: I really liked something that Jake said there in the last answer, um, or right at, really at, right at the start of it. He said, assuming I have a strategy, and uh, sometimes I think I feel that exact same way. Uh, maybe I wouldn't purchase some of that stuff to begin with. Which leads us then to question number four. Question four. If you could go back in time What one thing, hobby-related, would you do different?
1: Well, I quit collecting when I went to high school and right around, uh, let's see, what was it, about 98 or 99, and I didn't start back up again until I got out of college, which was about 2010 or 11, or a couple years after I got out of college, but uh, I would have never quit. I would have never quit and i would have kept doing it um priorities changed during those times in my life and didn't really have the funds to you know do much of anything so i went a different way but a lot of great cards sold for really affordable prices and i regret <laughs> not being around at that
2: point going back in time thinking about you know what i may or may not do um is another loaded question but one that's a lot easier for me to answer Uh, and I I do say this with understanding that some people might claim that I have an agenda and pushing the no slab movement uh, but this is not meant that way the one thing I would do over is to save my money and not submit cards for grading Uh, and I say that with full disclosure that I did recently sell a Jalen Brown gold prism rookie that I graded myself it was graded a 9.5 for 9.5 subs and I know I sold it more due to the grade However, the vast majority of cards I've graded were cards that are still in my PC and will remain in my PC. Many of them I've actually cracked out of slabs. You've seen my post potentially on Instagram. Um, I've, I've busted them out, and, and I enjoy them more. And again, my, my desires in the hobby have changed, and that's how I'm enjoying my collection right now. But when I first got back as a, as a noob in the hobby, I, I felt that you know I saw it, I read it, cards of value that you put value on needed to be graded i felt um this is what i thought the information was as i was learning things and it seemed to be the trend the grade the label the slab the premium protection and and it made sense to a new collector like you're dumping money and stuff you don't have history with it yet you don't see the trends Uh, and it just made a lot of sense and as a result i spent a significant amount of money you know having cards graded uh, buying a rear card, opening a box, sorting through a lot of cards I pick up online, those those all have a lot of enjoyment for me and a good way for me to spend money. I, I've never got an enjoyment out of having cards graded. It, it just felt like the expected thing to do. And, and in retrospect, I feel like I was kind of a lemming. I was following the trend. So um, I could probably go back through my invoices, see how much I spent on grading, but, but it would make my heart hurt. Um, the cost of shipping the insurance it's 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 expensive and this is a hobby for me it's not a investment it's not a way of making money for me it is a hobby and so um that's one thing that in retrospect i would i would change
3: if i could go back in time populated that i'd do different and this one is uh you know it's when i was a younger into the hobby i just started my instagram page and i learned you can trade with people and you know i found out the hard way that not everyone's as uh Ethically responsible as they should be, and uh, I had a ton of uh, from tops his last year. Same with James Harden and Blake Griffin, DeRozan, some other guys. It was a really good year, and uh, you know, I was uh, selling, I didn't know the price uh, word of what the other guys said to me, and uh, you know, I was selling them for 10, 15, 20 bucks when they're worth like 80, 100, 120 in the playoffs. And I uh, mean, once I realized, like, someone told me, he's like, Hey, you realize you're getting ripped off, these cards are. Rip- five, six times more than what mother giving you, it uh, It really took me back in. I want to be in this hobby. I need to know what I'm selling, what I'm buying, everything, because, uh, you know, it's sad to say, but there are some bad people out there in the hobby who aren't interested. They're just interested in making a quick buck. And uh, I feel like it's my responsibility to always be candid and truthful with young collectors and always give them a fair value of uh, what the card is worth. If I could go back, I'd just tell myself, do a little bit more research, you know, before ever make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. I'm happy with how things have turned out for the most part, of my, with my collection at least.
4: Alright, so if I could do it all over again, so to speak, or, you know, change one thing, outside of just getting all of my picks right, you know, going back to 1996 or whatever, and making all the right decisions on which players would be good, you know, kind of that, that back to the future with a sports almanac type of scenario, but... Outside of doing that, I think the one thing that I wish I had done as a kid was really protect my cards better. Uh, I was, you know, as we all probably were with a lot of stuff when we were younger, I was not as careful, I was kind of haphazard with some of my cards. Uh, You know, so even just putting every single card in a penny sleeve or, you know, more of them in top loaders and and stuff like that, that's what I would do differently because when I resurfaced a lot of my cards that I had as a kid a lot of them were in really rough shape, you know, just edges and corners all dinged. And uh, if I just put them in penny sleeves and and, and done some simple things with them, I think that they would be more aesthetically pleasing to me. Now, obviously those damaged cards I'm going to keep because I have those memories, uh, but I also, when I have a card that's considerably damaged from when I was uh, a young kid, I like to get a newer copy that's a little bit more aesthetically pleasing and I keep the old copy as well. So that's the one thing that I would change is just protecting my cards better. And that's something I've focused on now uh, is making sure that each card is protected and taken care of because, you know, I, I enjoy every card, whether it's a 50 cent card or it's a $50 card or it's a $500 card. So I want to protect them all and kind of treat them with the respect that they are due.
0: Okay. So I feel like that last question gave us a little bit of a peek at some of the lessons that. The, these four gentlemen have learned in the hobby so far, um, and that moves us to our fifth and final question. What is the biggest lesson that you've learned in the hobby?
1: The biggest lesson I've learned in the hobby is to collect for enjoyment and collect what you like. Don't collect to try to make money, because nine times out of ten, that's not going to happen. But it's nice if you do, but don't expect it. If you expect it and you're disappointed, it'll ruin it for you.
2: The biggest lesson I've learned in the hobby, slow down, take your time. You don't need that card in that moment. Um, You don't need to impulsively move something just because it's hot if it's something you enjoy. Um, Take your time, do your research, get to know releases, individual cards, hobby trends, the history. It'll improve your buying habits, it'll improve your enjoyment with the hobby, uh, spend time getting to know the hobby, spend the time getting to know people in the hobby, visit local card shops, talk with owners, talk with customers, go to the websites, blow out, um, even Beckett still has some activity, Instagram, Facebook, join the forums, the groups, it's a small hobby, but but it's an international hobby at the same time, So so slow down, take your time, get to know people, get to know the hobby, um and when you do you'll you'll be amazed at the people you meet um you'll you'll develop friendships uh people get to know your collection they'll be willing to help you out it'll allow you to have access to resources people ask questions too to problem solve um so like for example when I first got back in the hobby and decided that I was going to collect cards again I I saved up money and and the card I had to have was a Larry Bird Matt Johnson rookie and um I'm, I'm stoked that I still have it but I didn't slow down I just I Once I got the money, then I was going to get the card. So I didn't research, I didn't know enough, I didn't speak with other collectors, and I had access to them. I was on the boards, I just didn't. Um, I hopped on eBay, which the internet's great, but it's also dangerous at times because everything's right there at our fingertips. Bought the best looking card I could afford with not a ton of knowledge without asking people. It was graded, what could go wrong? It was graded BCCG. And if you guys don't know about that, um, it's a it's a subpar Beckett offering, and and in retrospect, I vastly overpaid. Uh, thankfully, it's a car that continues to increase in value, and I, I've done okay, but, but I could have done much better for myself if I just slowed down and taken time and used the resources. So that's, that's really the biggest lesson I've learned, and something that I carry through today.
3: What's the biggest lesson I've learned in the hobby? Uh, you know, if I could say one thing, it's uh, just... You know, collect who you like. Collect uh, what makes you happy. What makes you proud of your collection? Because at the end of the day, it is a hobby, and um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to have a card go up in value, but you know, cards fluctuate, and uh, it's, it stinks when cards like lose value. But if you collect guys you like, you know, no matter what the value is, you're always going to be. It's always going to be something you're proud of when you go back. Uh, I still have a long way to go for my collection where I want it to be, but uh, so far I'm really proud of what I have, and I've stuck to a plan of collecting who I like, buying a few guys who I think will go up in value, sell those, and um, and then uh, secondly, just, just be honest with people, just have fun with it, and you know what? It is a hobby, meet people, and it's it's there's so many good people out there to meet, and uh, just going to the National, talking with guys, no, nothing better than that, man. If you could ever go to the National, I would definitely go. I need to go for multiple days because it's card heaven. That's the biggest piece of advice I could give for uh, anyone out there, and
4: thank you. So one of the biggest lessons I learned uh, when I really got fully back entrenched into the hobby is kind of funny, and it's not really one that's going to resonate with everybody, but definitely is true for me, uh, is don't buy modern. And uh, why that's true for me is because uh, I collect stuff from the 90s, and that's the stuff that I know, that's the stuff that I love. Those are the players that I love. There's really not any modern players that really get me excited to keep the cards of so when I buy any modern I do buy some I buy very little just for the fun of opening the products usually just retail it's easier to get Uh, but I just get it to have a little bit of fun and the stuff that I like you know it's collect what you like collect what you love is the 90s so that's the stuff that I I really get so for me buying modern is just when I want something to have a little bit of fun with And like I said, uh, if I pull something that's of significance to someone or it's valuable, I usually move that on to a collector who's going to love it and get something in my collection that I'm going to love with the proceeds of doing so. So that's the one biggest thing that I learned for myself. I know I bought some Prism, you know, my first year really getting fully back into it and pulled some rookies and I had no idea who 95% of the players were. And it just wasn't fun for me. I was, you know, asking other people, okay, is this guy good? Is that guy good? And that's not fun. I, I know now more, but, uh, you know, I, if I can pull anything from the 90s, I know if it's good right off the bat. Uh, and I know who the player is, and I have a whole history in my mind of, of that player. So whether it's Antonio McDice or Shaq or MJ, um, you know, I get excited regardless. So that's the stuff that I love. So I guess it's really collect what you like and collect what you love.
0: That seems to be a pretty common trend today. Collect what you like. Uh, And I like that. Uh, All right. Before I let our panel go, I want to give them all a moment to tell you uh, about something they're working on or any social media stuff they might want you to look at. Um, So if you like what you heard from them today, make sure you check out some of the stuff that they're working on as well.
1: This is David Johnson-Wetterer signing off. Uh, I got Instagram, uh, 31 the number. Um, Like 31 underscore, the letter N underscore only, uh, as I PC 31 and only. And, uh, you know, look me up. I'll start posting some pictures up there soon or friend me on Facebook. Uh, Let's swap pictures. If anybody has any really rare Reggie Miller cards they're trying to get rid of at any point, hit me up on my Instagram or Facebook or text me if you got my number. Let me know. Let me be the first guy to check it out. Let me be the first guy you ask Uh, anything from one of ones uh, to PMGs. It's got to be uh, after 96 and before 2005, though. Uh, Reggie's playing days only, please. None of this Panini garbage they got out now. Oops, did I say that? Uh, Anyway, talk to you guys later. Hit me up. Peace out.
2: All right, well, I've, I've really enjoyed this, so, so I appreciate, Kyle, you, you bringing me on. Um, I don't have any projects to plug, so I'll just share that I enjoy being part of this hobby and look forward to continuing to be part of it. Uh, I can be found on Instagram, Blowout, COMC, eBay, even Beckett at Howley 2003 That's S-H-O-W-L-E-Y 2003. Um, purposely keep my username the same across all places so people know who I am i guess to plug i'm trying to collect any and all Jay crowder cards so reach out if you get something stashed away that you think isn't worth anything because you you would have a buyer in me at the right price or or just reach out to talk about the nba and the hobby so again thanks uh kyle i, I hope um people enjoy this and uh, i've really enjoyed doing it for you
3: what are some projects that i'm working on uh, i'd say two major projects the number one thing is uh editing my pictures a little bit better i want to get a new camera system where the pictures look a little bit clearer, a little bit smoother i think that helped my page grow a little bit and uh number two is a football wide receiver contenders project where i'm collecting uh, some of my favorite and some of what i think are the best receivers throughout the history of the nfl in their contenders rookie autos that's it for the most part i'm uh you know, I'm always looking for PC guys like Acuna, uh, Machado, Correa, Trey Young, Paul George, Kyrie, football. Just football is a little bit of anything, but uh, that, that's pretty much it for my projects. And uh, overall, I'd like to thank Kyle for the podcast. I think he's going to do a great job. I hope a lot of people listen. Um, if you ever need any help or ever want to talk sports cards or values, just uh, let me know. Talk to me at MJ3cards. I'm always down to talk sports. And uh, I can't wait to see how this turns out, and I can't wait to listen to all the other great collectors on it. Thank you.
4: Bye. Hey, so it would mean the world to me, actually, if you would check out my YouTube channel and my videos. So 90s b-ball cards, just like you can find me on Instagram or Twitter, is what you can find me under on YouTube. So it would mean a lot if you'd hit that subscribe button, watch some videos, give me some comments, let me know what you think about them. Uh, like the ones you like, and uh, actually also checking out my Facebook. I'm starting to try to do some stuff that's unique on Facebook that I, I'm not posting on YouTube or on my other accounts. So, you know, first check out the YouTube, but if there's a second thing, I would love if you check out any of my other social media accounts as well. Thanks.
0: Okay, there you have it. Uh, I want to thank these guys again. They were all willing to help us out and give us a small window into their collecting world. Like I said in the intro, that was something different, something I've never tried before. I hope you guys liked it. Uh, Feel free to give me your feedback either way, though. You won't hurt my feelings. And if you think this is worth doing again, or if you want to be on a similar answering panel, let me know. I can't promise everyone a spot, but I do want to try and change things up. And as always, you can find me on my Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast, or my Twitter, which is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, If you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.